Yep, I'm good to go. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much for joining us, Sam, on the show. I have to say that um, I hadn't heard about you before, but when I listened to your three-minute spiel to the Food and Drug Administration regarding the, uh, the vaccination or administration of the genetic uh, modification device to children from six years of age to five, six months to five years, uh, I thought you said everything that had to be said, and you said it perfectly. <laughs> um, let me get a little bit of background on you, because I have a funny feeling that you didn't just drop into this two weeks ago before you did this talk to the Food and Drug Administration. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to become so um, interested in the issue of the COVID jab? Sure. Um, you know, I was in the corporate world and a Republican and, you know, all of the traditional stuff. And I came across this podcast uh, radio show called Free Talk Live and um, ended up moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, which is kind of this ongoing thing and was up there for a couple years. And my friend Ian that runs Free Talk Live taught me about, you know, I was an activist up there. I did civil disobedience. I was put in jail for recording in the lobby of the courthouse. And I went on a hunger strike for 29 days. And um, wow. Penn Jillette read about it and did a little podcast thing that he does on it. And, you know, uh, we did stuff like there up there where, you know, we did open 420 events, even though it was still illegal up there. And, um, what is bullhorn? I'm sorry, I don't know what that oh, is. Oh, cannabis. Ah, okay, thank you. <laughs> so we had one guy that decided to possess it and uh, got arrested, and you know it makes the news. And so we we would do things like that to draw attention and get people aware that hey, there are people standing up for freedom and liberty, and getting together in one place to do it. So that was kind of where I I like learned how to debate and how to interact with people was doing the radio show and doing the activism. Um, I, I still get super nervous. I, I think my heart rate shot up to probably 140 when the meeting started and I had to just <laughs> breathe. And I, I literally, I had the show pre-record or, or I had my comments pre-recorded to where all I had to do was like, just press the space bar and, and sit there and let it play. And I was so worried that I had something set wrong or that it would be muted or whatever, but, uh, that was, that's how I decided to do it just so I wouldn't get short of breath or, and not be able to get it all in. Cause I really wanted it to be tight and, uh, as perfect as I could get it. There were a couple mistakes in it, but it is what it is. It was so. amazing. Um, New Hampshire. Now I haven't lived in the United States for a long time, but, my memory of New Hampshire is that its motto is live free or die. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> what a great place and the, to and decide to be an free state project. The, the Free State Project is a bunch of liberty-minded folks moving up there. And there was, you know, this was back in 2008 that I was there. There's uh, kind of the anarchist civil disobedience crowd. And then there's the political crowd. And they have several... Um, legislators and I think some senators now. So they're starting to sort of get in the, to the government and, and able to start turning back some of these big government programs and so forth. Um, so they're making a difference. I, I still kind of keep up with some of the things going on up there. 
Um, it's, I, it's, we, I, we have to stand up and we have to speak out because we're in this mass formation that Matthias Desmond talks about. And the only way out of it is just to keep disrupting. And that's really what those three minutes were designed to do. I didn't want to talk to the, the committee because uh, let's face it, they've seen the data, right? The, the data are very clear. They have been clear for a long time. These things don't work. It makes no sense what they're doing. Um, and they just, they don't care. They're going to do what they want and nothing's really going to stop that. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't see any value in trying to talk to them. So I wanted to really talk past them to the normies. And that's one of the sort of exchanges that I had with the mouse army who was helping me uh, sort of craft this message is that I need enough of a mic drop moment that it's going to reach normies and people who normally wouldn't watch this stuff. Yep. At the same time, I want to sort of make them aware that all of these things that they've been seeing, uh, you know, in their friends and family with the aging, with the hair loss, with the cancers, uh, with getting COVID again and again, despite being triple vaxxed and super protected and all these things, that there was, there's a, a reason for that happening. And we know what it is and it's the vaccines, which are, you know, gene therapies really. So it's the shots that are doing this. And so I wanted it to be kind of a dual purpose where it reaches them because it's uh, you know, a pretty intense message to deliver to the people pushing this stuff. And at the same time, it was designed to really let them see the world with new eyes and recognize, oh, this is happening. All I bet that's what happened to my friend Jason or Larry or, you know, whoever, so that they would kind of start connecting those dots because that's what's going to get us out of this. We just have to keep hitting them with the truth over and over and over again until uh, they, they can't deny it any longer. That's an interesting viewpoint. And, and it, it is true that, uh, you know, you have people who've never questioned, who've never looked at this issue, and they are just following what they've been told by the people they consider to be the experts, the medical doctors who in most cases don't really know very much about this subject. And it is so important to let them know, I've seen this with childhood vaccines, that when your child has a seizure after a vaccination, that is not just something completely normal and it happens to kids. That's a reaction. Right. And all of these things that we're being told are completely normal are not. And they need to be paid attention to because um, these sorts of reactions tend to have a, uh, an accelerating effect. And uh, if we don't stop after the first or second, you may not make it to the third. And, and that's really their strategy is they want to create as many scapegoats as they can to try and normalize this stuff and sweep it under the rug. And, you know, I did shows months back when they were putting the advertisements on buses. They made that commercial of the girl dropping dead on the soccer field oh, with yes. the heart attack. And it's like that stuff doesn't happen. It's happening now because of these shots. But they're trying to hopefully just I think they hope that it's going to be small enough that, and they can find enough reasons. That's why we have, oh, it's climate change. It's an adult's. Uh, death syndrome now and you know all this nonsense for really I think what's happening is amyloidosis in these people that these 
spike proteins are getting broken down into these fibers. And I, I think the body's trying to pick them up and deal with them, but they're, it's, it's also, they're being converted into uh, prions. And it's not just that those are acting on the brain, but like I have, um, there's a guy in my audience that lives down in Australia and does security for some of the big events at one of the, you know, big event centers. And he says his employees are forgetting like basic tasks. Like they can't remember just things that should have been, you know, they've been there for a long time. They know how to do their job and like they're forgetting. And then the other thing he's noticed is, I can't remember if he said a tenfold or a hundredfold increase in like uh, incidents, violence and aggression from the crowds and so forth that he's dealing with. Um, I, I think that's happening more and more because of these prions, but it's also affecting uh, all it's, it's also doing the same kind of uh, cytopathic cytotoxic effects on the body, on all the major organs. And that's where we're seeing some of this, uh, these died unexpectedly or died suddenly uh, events happening. Yes, and that's happening so often. I, I just did a talk this afternoon for a local group, and there were probably only about 50 people there. But I asked everyone to raise their hands if they knew someone who'd had a reaction to the COVID jab. And without, I think there might have been two people who did not raise their hands. And then I asked mm -hmm. um, how many had, knew someone who died you know, very soon after a COVID jab, uh, and especially as a young person, and over 25% of the people there raise their hands. It is, you know, mass formation psychosis is one thing, but when you see it happen in front of you, it does become more difficult right. to explain it away. And um, the issue with the prion disease is, again, that's been associated with vaccination since the 1960s. Um, the measles vaccine mm -hmm. has been associated mm -hmm. with something called SSPE, which is another form of, of Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Basically, they love to give different names okay. to things. But, um, but yeah, it causes exactly the same symptoms. And uh, Dr. Stephanie Seneff predicted that this sort of prion misfolding was going to happen with these vaccines. And sure enough, it has. Um, and, yeah, it's very interesting. So you presented this information to the Food and Drug Administration. Did you expect them to take this on board? We've made a terrible mistake. No way young babies. <laughs> not, not at all. I, I knew they would. Look, the, the Biden administration was already uh, issuing the, or let, notifying the press that they're like pre-positioning the shots before the committee had even met, like a week before they're, they're shipping out doses, getting them ready to be jabbed in the arms. So it's, it was clear, this is political. This is a done deal. They're, they're going to go ahead with this. What I'm trying to do is sort of disrupt that mass formation and cause people to question. Cause if you heard some of the other speakers on there, it was very strange. A lot of them were talking about immunobridging, which is a, pretty, you know, they come on, they're like, well, I'm a dad or I'm a healthcare worker or something like that. And they're talking about the immunobridging results showing very strong efficacy. And this is where they're taking from later age groups and bringing it into the babies who are not at risk and in a completely different cohort. So like, 
it, the whole thing just seemed like such a setup to me that it was just a formality. They had some ringers in there to, you know, sell the safety and efficacy. And here I come out of left field with a big baseball bat and whacked them over the head. <laughs> and they like that, that's, and the whole thing at the end about, um, uh, diagnosing myocarditis in babies who are unable to speak. That's from Dr. Mary Tally Bowden. Uh, she tweeted about that. And I, I just could feel like this awkwardness when the recording stopped that I went ahead and unmuted and just ad libbed that last little part in there. Cause they also weren't cutting anybody off till 30 seconds after the three minutes. So I, uh, decided to throw that one in and I'm, I'm glad I did. There's a lot of people that said that really brings it home because that's what these people have approved. They are going to literally damage babies who are unable to communicate that they've been harmed and watch them die to, uh, you know, make money. And it's, it's just sickening. Well, we've been doing it for years with other vaccines. It's just that this one is so much more dangerous than any of the other dangerous jabs that we've been using for years. Right. Um, you might, your mic's rubbing on your sweater. You might oh, want to sorry. pull that. Thank you for that. Away I appreciate a little bit. it. Yeah, Thanks for that. There you go. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, you, you, you made this amazing speech and um, you didn't really expect much. I mean, I think Dr. Rubin was still on the committee and he was the one who said for the uh, five to 11 year olds, we'll never know how safe it is until we use it. So that sort of an yeah. attitude um, is never going to be convincing um, for anybody actually bringing statistics and data. But I found your talk. Someone shared it with me. Do you know how far it's gone? Has it gone viral? Um, what's going on with it? Are people sharing it like crazy? I, I, I've seen it in a lot of places. I know um, I felt... Um, Pierre Corey from FLCCC, he had a thread about the hearings. He stuck it on there. Um, there was like a Midnight Rider group where it did, ten, I think it was like 15,000 views. That's a Telegram channel that has 170,000 followers or so. So a bunch of people saw it there. There were three or four other Telegram channels like that that did, you know, a few thousand here and there. Um, Robert Malone retweeted it on Getter and pointed to the rumble video, the short one that I made. Yeah. And that's at like 33,000 right now. It, it probably, the Twitter has 40,000 on one, 12,000, you know, it's all over. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably a hundred thousand or so. So I, not, yeah. not hugely. Well, okay. Infowars picked it up and they added video to my speech. And they, I think they're making a COVID documentary. You know how he does these little yeah. documentaries on topics and things. I think he's including it in there, which is interesting because Alex Jones was in Dallas, like I think it was back 2007, uh, protesting at the Dallas Fed. I went out there and filmed him for, asked him two questions and uh, made a video about it and posted it. And he ended up calling me wanting to use the footage uh, in Obama deception. And it's the little segment right in the center of Obama deception. So I've done that before. Oh, that's um, so, good. so yeah, it, it's getting there. It, people are talking about it. Um, 
there's a, there's people saying it's it's a turning point. I, I don't know about that, but I, it would be nice, you know. I, I think if it we is. need to start turning this thing around. What frustrates me is a, a you know a video, a really cute video of a puppy rolling over, and uh, and you know and sleeping will get four million, million views. views. But something that can actually save lives, we're happy when it gets a yeah. hundred thousand. But it's early days yeah. yet, and I have a guilty confession to make to you and I don't know if you want me to bring this up or not but um, I'm one of those people who shared your video uh, of uh, uh-huh. not Klaus Schwab what's his name Borla Borla uh, saying you know we can reduce oh, the yeah, population yeah. by 50% I didn't know that was you until I watched your uh, <laughs> your podcast I shared it and I said does anybody know if this is true and the fact that I there even the fact that I even thought that it might have been true shows how incredibly evil these people are that that we wouldn't be surprised if he actually said that the greatest thing about this vaccine is it can reduce world population by 50 (laughs) percent right like that's that's what they're doing but it's not what he said it was the thing and the whole point of that was really to sort of educate people that yeah it's easy to make these fakes it took me five minutes and just a simple little edit and you have to check sources. I spend like five hours a week going back, finding source clips to pull from for the show. And if you, if you don't take the time to sort of validate things, you're going to be spreading misinformation, uh, whether you want to or not. So yes. that was another kind of fun little experiment and Wars picked that one up too. And Alex did a Sunday special where he opened the show with it. <laughs> and he said that he checked it. He said that he, ch- that he validated the transcripts, which he couldn't have done, or he, he was trying to be nice. I, I'm not sure which, but he reported it. A, a bunch of people fell for that one and just didn't check. So it was really, I think, a worthwhile endeavor to kind of show people, who are you listening to? Is this somebody that's going to just accept anything put in front of them as fact because it's been shared a lot around the internet or is this somebody who's going to actually validate and uh question things at the very least like like you did i think that's that's, great that's an important lesson for all of us and i've only asked because i've fallen for things so many times in the past that i realize (laughs) i need to make sure that i'm not doing that and none of us is perfect but you know, just because someone is on our side doesn't mean that everything they're sharing is actually valid. And people do believe the most ridiculous things. But I wouldn't have been surprised if that was actually true. I wouldn't have been surprised the least bit. Um, yeah, they, they, they do say the quiet part out loud sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's right. it, it's really... <laughs> it was instructive, I think, to to see that and then to find out that it was you that had done that original edit. First of all, I take my hat off to you. I'm the world's worst editor. <laughs> I'm, I have trouble with iMovie, okay? <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, you did a very good job of it. It was seamless. And uh, yeah, <laughs> well, it worked out. I, I was actually cutting up the speech for the show that I was planning to do that night. And I was half letting it play, just listening for interesting bits. And I heard that and I'm like, no way. He just said that. And I could just totally take it hit me right away. And then I thought, all right, what do I want to do with this? How do I want to present it? And that's when I came up with my plan to uh, 
I didn't fool anybody. I let them fool themselves is yeah. really because yeah. I posted it with <laughs> my, you know, proper text. If they told the truth, this is what they would say kind of thing. That's exactly so. right. And I'm sure that's what he's thinking. He's a genocidal maniac, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get back to talking about the issues that you covered with the Food and Drug Administration, the things that are known and that the FDA and Western medicine and the media and government is completely ignoring about these jabs. Um, for instance, you talked about the biodistribution studies. Um, can you go into that a little bit? What is biodistribution and what were we told about these COVID jabs? Okay, as I understand it, they gave these injections to rats and then they dissected them and looked at, okay, where did this stuff go? And I believe that these studies were done like pre-COVID. So, because they, you know, like they came out and said, oh, this is not new technology. We've been developing this for years and years, which is true. And every development effort has basically been a dead end where, you do a challenge study, all the animals die. Or, you know, you mentioned Stephanie Seneff earlier talking about uh, the pegylated lipids. She's the one that pointed me to the study where they injected the, the pigs for the second time with just the pegylated lipid by itself, and they started having heart attacks. So that, you know, they came out and told us, oh, you get a shot in the arm and it stays there, which is the way, as I understand it, the traditional vaccines, most that, that's mostly true. But because of these pegylated lipids, it just goes everywhere. Um, and what that's doing, why that's so harmful is because these mRNA uh, are transfecting the cells and it, they're being delivered to all the organs and your organs, every cell that gets transfected, it's going to start pumping out spike protein and the CDC, you know, in their, in their fact checkers, um, or in their, on their website, they talk about how the MRNA does not get into the nucleus of the cell, which is true. What they don't say is the spike protein does. And there's some immunostaining studies, and Jicky the mouse is the one who uh, pointed pointed those out a while back. And Jicky leaks for those of you you that want to go look into that, uh, where they did some bioluminescence and looked at like what all's happening there, uh, and that's where they found out, oh yeah, these spikes are actually getting into the nucleus, and that's where we get into the uh, p53, which is a it's a process to validate um, genetic code and it prevents mutations. It has the, it's basically designed to kill the cell if it, if something goes wrong so that it doesn't start growing and creating like a tumor basically. And so these lipid nanoparticles are putting this thing everywhere. These spike proteins are getting produced. They're getting into the nucleus. They're getting expressed on the surface of the cell. And uh, the immune system will then come along and see that and think, oh, it's a virus and kill that cell. And if we looked at, uh, it was COVID doctors for ethics that uh, Dr. Burkhart and um, Bhakti, I think, were the two German uh, yes. pathologists who did the 14 autopsies on people that had that were vaccinated 
and had sort of died suddenly, like they were out at work. A lot of them, did, I think only a four died in the hospital, something like that. But most of them were not treated. They were out living their lives, dropped dead. And then they did autopsies on them. And that's what they found is that you had these T cells that were going in, attacking the organs and uh, sort of gathering up the dead bodies. Uh, and like, that's, that's what's happening to these people. And at the same time, the spikes being pumped out in such large numbers, uh, there's, they, they told us, oh, the spike protein is safe. It'll be fine. We've, we've put this two P substitution. That's a two proline substitution. That's kind of the spike is shaped like a, a flower kind of petal or a vase with, that comes to three points and goes down at the base. And they sort of did this two P substitution to lock off the bottom. And that's supposed to make it safe, which, and prevent uh, misfolding as well into the prions. Well, the other thing that it does is it increases the spike production 10 to 50 X. And that also comes from a study that Jicky pointed out to me. So, which is kind of a problem if it's a cytotoxic neurotoxin that it is because it's got, the HIV uh, GP120 inserts on it. You've got the DC sign, um, which I think is kind of like the connector behind these GP120 inserts. That was funded and developed by Project Defuse, which um, Charles uh, Rixley, I believe, goes into a lot of detail on. I was just reading some of his stuff earlier. Uh, this, This whole, all of these components of this thing were developed in the name of defense where they talk about, you know, we need to protect the public from these by coming up with uh, these vaccines for these potential strains, but these potential strains don't exist. And they're not like doing creating ones that would occur naturally in nature. They're going in and creating these bioweapons, bringing in whatever kind of, you know, deadly things they can from whatever different diseases and trying to throw them all together into this, uh, into this toxic bioweapon. That's, that's really what it is. And, uh, it all, it all just kind of works together and, and does a lot of damage. that way, hasn't it? It's all been planned because they had the technology before they had the SARS-CoV-2 and, um, mm-hmm. you know, Moderna has been working on this for over 10 years. And as you said, they haven't had a successful mm-hmm. therapy in all that time. Um, so right. why, like what you're saying about the, um, the DNA, the messenger RNA getting into the cell and um, the, the fact that the vaccine does not stay at the site. Had these things been tested properly before they were released to billions of people, literally billions of people, um, we would have known that, wouldn't we? Absolutely, yeah. There's so many things that they didn't look at, and there's so many things that they know. So, you know, the whole the whole pandemic really could have been avoided. There's a reason they went after hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Uh, they basically act as fusion inhibitors. And if you get into what they were doing at the Wuhan lab, there's some emails where they talked about uh, inoculating the lab workers with fusion inhibitors 
as a defensive mechanism against the SARS-CoV viruses that they were working with. So they knew that this was effective. They were using it themselves. They had developed a fusion inhibitor. It was, a, I think, a spray that they were using. Uh, and yet here when this thing gets out in the wild, now anybody that wants to recommend that is obviously a quack lunatic and should lose their medical license. And this thing was pushed out. Uh, it, you know, the, the, all of these components were funded by uh, DARPA, the D Department of Defense, and so forth, and uh, have played a role, have kind of formed the building blocks that enabled SARS-CoV-2. Right. And, and yeah, if we were willing participants. When I say we, I mean the vast majority of the people. Um, even though it, it's, it was so funny when it first started, I'm like, okay, so this is this year's flu that has to kill everyone because every single year, basically, we had avian influenza, we had the first SARS, we had, um, you know, Ebola, we had everything every year, a new a disaster was going to be on the horizon and it never actually eventuated. But this time, somehow, they got the formula right and people fell for it in, in huge numbers. Uh, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve has become two and a half years to destroy the economy and the world. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Three shots to keep your job, yeah. <laughs> In four right now, they're they're talking about a fourth one in the state of Victoria, down south, and it, we know that the Australian government, we're a country of about 25 million people, and the government has mm -hmm. contracted to buy, I think it's 320 million doses, of the COVID jab, so we know that there are many more doses coming, uh, but the idea that people would take four in a 12-month period and think that that's perfectly normal um, is is pretty crazy. It and think that it's working. Yeah. <laughs> and think wrong. that it's working when they catch COVID after that. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you people? And it, it's sad because they were tricked and lied to and manipulated and coerced into it, a lot of them. Mm. And um, it's just, it's just, uh, to me, it should just be a huge eye-opener to uh, why we shouldn't let governments become this powerful and, and controlling and have this much say over our lives. And their solution is always to grant themselves more power. And it just, this is where it ultimately leads. History shows us, I think. Exactly. And you see that in states like California, um, where Newsom has mm -hmm. taken control over just about everything people do on a day-to-day -day basis, including mm -hmm. how they raise their children and people are putting up with it. Um, you know, coming from the United States originally, I've always thought of Americans as, you know, the pioneer stock, um, you know, people who would never, uh, you know, allow the government to take their, their freedoms and their liberties away. And yet what I'm seeing is just like in Australia, just like in Europe, um, people are actively participating in their own destruction. And I, I think when you yes. talked about before, why can't they see this? I think people don't like to admit that they're wrong. Their ego becomes involved yes. in this. 
and if they admit, oh, mm-hmm. wait a second, I, I've taken three, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe the fact that I need a fourth is a problem, um, they're not going to do that, and they're going to blame everyone else who didn't do as they did. I see it on Twitter all the time where someone will say, I've just tested positive for COVID. Thank goodness I've had four jabs. You know, it's like, <laughs> hello, are you actually listening to what there's you're a, saying? There's the IT guy account. There's the IT guy account on Twitter that does the, he goes around and grades them all on what he calls the uh, Pfizer hostage tape script (laughs) on how well they reiterated the talking points. And then he gives them an A, B or C minus, whatever. It's, it's great. I love it. Because yeah, they are, they're programmed and uh, they're captured. I, I refer to them as like captured by the propaganda. They live in this box that everything they see around them is the messaging that's been sort of um, pushed down their throat and they don't realize that they've been manipulated and controlled by fear. And this is, gets into the whole mass formation mm. uh, being isolated from their social networks and so forth. That's had a psychological effect on these people and it just keeps getting more and more ridiculous and it doesn't matter to that 20% that's just really bought in a lot of them are just going to go down with the ship. Uh, the ones we have to reach is the remaining 70 to 80%. Uh, that's just sort of going along because it's the thing to do. And, uh, uh, you know, like that's, that's the whole point of what I do in the show and the, the speech and all that. That's the most hopeful figure I've heard because I was thinking it was more like 50 to 60% who were in this mass formation. So if it's only 20%, then we have a chance of turning this around. Um, Because for many years, we were told that only 2 to 3% of the population questioned vaccination. And now I think it's closer to 50% Mm. who are. Um, and, and yeah, mm-hmm. it is interesting. So I'm glad you said that, that there's only about 20% and I'm hoping that's accurate. <laughs> you know, like if you look at, uh, what happened when they did the, to, ended the mask mandates on the planes and there's videos of people being told this and taking their masks off, you can kind of get a rough count from there, from the people who kept their mask on. Those are the ones who are the hardcore believers that, uh, you know, or where I saw a video of some lady swimming in the ocean with a mask on and she puts her snorkel and it's just like, it just doesn't make sense. And then you put the science to it. The virus particle is it, it, you're, you're trying to catch mosquitoes with a chain link fence. It's not going to work folks. So, and they just, they, they'll, it doesn't matter how illogical it is. It's because they're in that mass formation that they believe it. Uh, and we just, I, we have to keep talking and, um, disrupting that propaganda and have more and more people start to question it and reject it when they see it for what it is. Yeah. And that's, what's so good about a show like yours is that you're not out there like Alex Jones. I mean, I love Alex Jones and he's right far more often Mm -hmm. than he's wrong, but I have trouble listening to him (laughs) because he's just so Mm -hmm. strident and and you know in your face which i don't think there's anything wrong with being in your face but 24 7 would get a bit tiring but um but you know you you approach this issue from uh an attitude of this is just common sense 
This is not rocket yeah. science, and you can understand this. You can get yes. what I'm saying, and people can. And I think once they hear that, you can't unhear it. Um, once it gets into your psyche, it you have it. It's it's part of you. We read an article from Elgato Mallo. He, he does a Substack. <laughs> the, the Bad yeah, fantastic articles. And one of his recent ones that I really liked, I've, I've covered two of his on the show, was about the experts and this whole idea that uh, they just got creamed. I mean, it was like MMA coming onto the scene and dominating all of the other martial arts because they pulled a little bit from each one and came up with best practices. That's what's happening today. And um, that is actually, it ties in with what uh, Matthias Desmond is talking about for sort of countering the mass formation. You want these small groups who sort of get together and kind of work to counter the propaganda with facts and truths and so forth. And that's what we've got with the mouse army on Twitter. And um, uh, Matthew pulled me into another group of people, you know, scientists and researchers and so forth that is kind of working that I can go and ask questions to and, and are sharing information and so forth. We have all of these different little groups uh, that are working independently to tackle different parts of what's being sort of foisted upon us. And um, I think that's, I, I think we've got such major changes on the horizon because the dollar is hyperinflating and it's the global reserve currency. So that's going to bring, I think we're in the midst of a giant housing collapse and uh, we're going to have this major reorganization of society in the next few years. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if corporations are even going to be something that survives through that transition, because I think we're going to sort of, start forming these self-organizing collectives that get together to work on a specific task as uh, functions of our society are decentralized. And that's, and we that's just, a good thing, I think. I think you know, it's it going to be painful. It it's going to be painful. There's going to be a lot of changes. But I was one of these crazy people who actually hoped that Y2K was going to be real so that it would bring all the corporations down. <laughs> uh -huh. it, it didn't actually happen that way. But... You know, I agree with you. It can go one way or another. Um, they can mm -hmm. either become even more powerful than they are right now, or they can, yes. through their own, um, you know, arrogance and and belief that they are infallible, they can be totally destroyed. And um, the older I get, the more anarchy looks good to me. So that idea of... <laughs> <laughs> of the you know the collectives the communities we're forming them all over Australia as well um, is is a very comforting one I think because when you know everyone in your area and you know who you can rely on and you know who is uh, actually able to help you with you know I need something fixed or I need mm -hmm. to know how to grow this particular crop and you can go to that person, then uh, you don't need anyone else. You're no longer reliant on the government. And Australia is a right. socialist country. So um, that is something yeah. I think needs to go right out the window. And, and, you know, if you look at in terms of the pandemic, the way they were able to do this, 
corporations have taken over and centralized the hospitals to a large degree. They put in their internalists or whatever that dictates the treatments for all the patients and they've overridden the autonomy of the doctors. The doctors have 250,000 plus in medical, uh, in uh, student loan debt that they have to pay off. So they can't rock the boat because they don't want to get kicked out of their profession. Of course, how are they licensed? Well, that's another government granted monopoly called the American Medical Association. If you don't follow their rules, Whereas really what we need are actually competing AMAs or, you know, one that's based on maybe Eastern medicine and one that's Western medicine and one that's naturopathic and one that only uses maybe a small subset of pharmaceuticals that have really proven track records versus the other one that, you know, might prescribe more and then give consumers a choice. Uh, but, what governments do is over time is they further centralize and garner control over society and limit our choices. And that's how they were able to sort of pull all this off. And, you know, we were talking about they've tried with all these other viruses and so forth. Well, Fauci did this with HIV. He, um, you know, they manipulated all the tests and so forth to create these false positives he pushed this AZT drug, which was deadly, killed a bunch of people. Um, and, you know, by the by the time that was done, he had $40 billion in additional funding that he got to hand out to all of his buddies. And COVID is no different. They had remdesivir, which is fatal to a lot of the people that take it. If you're getting a fourth dose, you have a 25% survival rate. Um that's what was used to justify the pandemic, the, the deaths that they needed in order to say, oh, we've got to lock everything down. And then they're getting hundreds of billions of dollars now that he gets to hand out to all of his buddies. And you know, the pharmaceutical companies are making tens of billions of dollars in pure profit uh, per quarter on a drug that like they didn't even have to, the government pay or dollar holders paid for the R and D and the development costs of. So it's the whole thing is just so in your face. They're constantly, I, I describe government as like competing gangs trying to pull off the biggest heist that they can. And HIV was an example of that. That was the Fauci crime family or, you know, criminal organization, whatever, however you want to talk about it. And SARS-CoV-2 is another example. And they were way more successful with this one because they rang that cash register for, you know, trillions of dollars overall, but they got a, a fraction of that. Yeah. So. And, and daily, we, we learn more about that, like the $350 million in hidden payments that were paid to um, Fauci right. just recently. Um, and, and mm -hmm. you know, there has to be an accounting. Um, one of the, the big issues, I think, in society today, and I see this in the U.S. and it's happening in Australia, too, is that there is never an accountability when someone right. in a position of power does something wrong, whether it's stealing or lying or, in this case, killing millions of people, um, they get mm -hmm. away with it. And I think that one of the things that has to happen 
is that these people have to be held accountable. And the information that's coming out now, like the information that you talked about in the Food and Drug Administration, the information that's being used in our court cases, and you know the information ICANN is bringing out in the United States and Robert F. Kennedy Jr., um, it's right. got to reach a point of critical mass where... Yes. Enough people say, what the hell's going on? You know, we need to actually hold these people accountable and make them pay for their crimes. And I, I cannot wait to see that day when Fauci and Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and all those other criminals, Borla, are actually locked up in prison for the rest of their lives, however long that's going to be. I, I'm wondering, you know, looking at Bill Gates lately, if he's actually taken the active biologic i mean maybe not but I know. he may have he looks she may have he's the same age he does. as me and and i look yeah. at him and i think god he looks a good 15 years older than me um i'm not even mm-hmm. talking about his belly his face is just so but i think evil comes he, out in yeah. people too and and he's incredibly evil and always has been so um yeah it's 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 interesting but one way or another, there has to be an accounting. And um, I think that, that what we're all working on is, is making sure that enough people are aware of what's been done yes. um, so that they can join this, um, this fight for, for actual justice, not law, but justice, mm. um, which is what we need. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's where I'm taking the show tomorrow is I'm going to go through like the speech, why I gave it, uh, talk about how I got nervous beforehand. You know, we touched on that a little bit early on, um, but talk about like ways to manage that and encourage more people to speak out at local city council meetings or whatever. We've got to drive this message outside the Twitter echo chamber to the normies that are not on Twitter, to the, you know, your friends and family at churches and whatnot. And so I try and arm my audience with simple uh, explanations to like what these things do. That's, you know, kind of what the summation of that three minutes was uh, so that they can sort of start educating other people. And I've been somewhat successful in that, but I, I think we have such a long ways to go. I hope that they're going to be held accountable, but at the same time, they're pushing ahead to just sort of write it off as all of these scapegoats that they've created over the last six months when they knew, you know, realized what they had done and, and they're hoping just to get, to get away with it. Basically monkey pox, you know, VADES, SAD, yeah. all these things, they're just um, reactions to the jab, and yet we're being told there's something different because there's always profit to be made. You know, if you can say right. that there's going to be a monkeypox outbreak, and we happen to have monkeypox vaccines, uh, the American government just ordered, I don't know how much it was, $20 million, $200 million worth, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then, then that's money in the bank for them. Yeah, and you, we were talking about the biodistribution studies and the lipid nanoparticles one of the other functions of the lipid nano complex is to help downregulate the immune system so that it doesn't trigger an immune response. And now they're coming out with all of these products to fix the problem that they create. They're like, look, we've got a new shingles vaccine. Well, why is everybody getting shingles? 
because of toll-like receptors seven and eight being downregulated uh, by the spike, and now their their ability to fight uh, viruses is ten percent is ten percent of what it used to be. And so you're going to fix that with more of this pegylated lipid that you want to inject into them. It, it's just madness. But that's the MO for pharma, and it has been for decades, mm-hmm. is create a problem with a drug and then have another drug to treat that problem. And then that, the problems that are created by that second drug, we have another drug to treat that as well. Um, it's mm-hmm. never actually looking at the person. It's always looking at the symptom, right. and that's an issue. Yeah, it's it's clear to me that they are driving towards the younger age groups to get it on the schedule to get the immunity. They they know what it's going to do, but uh, you know they just want to they want to make money. Uh, I think. And and if they get it on the schedule, do you think the next move is going to be getting rid of the EUA and just licensing it because they have nothing to lose at that point? Exactly. And that like, that's the whole thing with, uh, comorbidity. Uh, there's a, um, Tim truth. He does a channel on BitChute, and, um, he's, he was on the phone calling up pharmacy after pharmacy after pharmacy in the U S asking them, what do you have available? Once this thing was supposedly available and approved and so forth. And he never found one place that was actually using comorbidity or could even get it. So here we are two years down the road, still supposedly in this emergency, they're giving it to kids who have 0% clinical risk. Uh, and, and really the ones that are dying are the ones that have, they're already sick. They have preexisting conditions, you know, something else going on typically. And uh, that like, why aren't they just using the one that's approved, right? Cause it's already approved. Why wouldn't they do that? And, and I think it really, I can't say for sure, but I think it really points to immunity for what they're doing. And they know they can't get away with it. So that's that's why. And for our Australian listeners who may be confused because our COVID EUA jab, the one that's not approved, is actually called Comirnaty or Comirnaty. I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, um, I don't know either. Yeah. The, in America, um, BNT, what's, what's, the, what's the one in the U.S.? BNT 51 or something? Um, that's the Pfizer one. Uh, I don't know what the designation for the uh, Moderna shot is, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's BNT it and then a specific Kovacs formulation. Something, but Kovacs, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe. but uh, the the Comirnaty in the United States was the one that actually was licensed but never produced or distributed. And I spoke about right. that with Dr. Merrill Nass about eight or nine months ago, where she said it was just smoke and mirrors. It was just a, a way to say, mm-hmm. oh, the, the, jab, the jab is now fully approved, even though they weren't using the fully approved jab. Right. And ours, is, even right. though it has the same name, is not fully approved. It's just provisionally approved. So, um, yeah, right. it's, it's lies. They're, they're playing goes. games. Yep. That's right. And people are dying and they don't really care. They couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's it. And I do want to talk to you about this biodistribution thing. I, I mentioned it to you very briefly before the show because um, I think we were told at the beginning that all vaccines uh, stay at the injection site. And I had never mm-hmm. heard that in 30 years of reading information on this issue until the COVID jab came out. 
um, because many, in the 1960s, um, the pertussis vaccine, the whooping cough vaccine, was actually used in laboratory animals to induce something called acute allergic encephalomyelitis because it was known that the way in which the bacteria had been attenuated in the vaccine meant that it could cross the blood-brain barrier very easily. So they would use this in rats to study encephalitis. And when encephalitis occurred in humans, they would say, oh, totally coincidental, nothing to do with the vaccine. So, and, and the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, there was a situation where a young boy died after getting the MMR vaccine and they, they did an autopsy and removed his brain and found measles vaccine virus in his brain. So we've yeah. known that these things cross the, um, the blood-brain barrier, that they travel through the entire body and that the body doesn't have a way of getting rid of them because they're not uh, naturally occurring viruses or bacteria and they can cause um, innate infections that last for the rest of your life. Um, we know that someone right. who got the polio vaccine as a child um, was able to spread polio. He was like a typhoid Mary uh, into his 40s and 50s because his body was never able to get rid of it. So when they came out at the time and said that this will be injected into the muscle tissue and it will stay in the muscle tissue, that to me made no sense. So when it's been discovered that actually it does travel throughout the whole body, including in the brain, leading to the effects that you talked about, the increased aggression, the uh, dementia um, in young people mm -hmm. that we're seeing, it's not surprising. It's just surprising that they were able to convince so many people that it wouldn't do that. Um, mm. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, part of this journey has been learning, and this is primarily from Dell and some of his guests, about the their the cdc's stonewalling and the nih their stonewalling of trying to provide access to the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated data because it tells such a damning uh condemnate it's it's such a damning condemnation of the whole vaccine schedule i mean we, there was a doctor that he had on that actually did this with a bunch of his patients that are unvaccinated and they um, they, they were able to basically collect the data and what they saw was like heart disease happening in 50% of the vaccinated population, non-existent in the unvaccinated population. So they don't want to release this information because it's like, it destroys their whole business model that they, their, their racket that they've got going on over there. And, uh, I, I think as a result, they're just going to, you know, push ahead and hope that they get away with it. And it, in the process, I think they're destroying healthcare. Yep, they're destroying health. They're destroying everything. Um, you know, mm -hmm. our children are sicker than they've ever been. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I know ten years ago there was something that came out that said that our generation is the first generation that will actually live longer than our children. Um, because our children mm -hmm. have become so sick, and that's very sad. There, no, no parent yeah. should ever. I want to live to be 150 years old, and I want to die 100 years before any of my children. So you know, it's it's that sort of thing. Um, it, it's 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 in incredible that when you talked about as long as we let them get away with it, they they are getting away with it now. And yes. um, I, I just wonder what it's going to take 
to actually stop that. I love what you said about giving people tools and teaching them how to speak out mm -hmm. about this because most people haven't got a clue about how to approach this. They're afraid of conflict. Um, and and right. have you been getting success with people who are listening to you and are saying, hey, you know, I did what you said and it worked really well. Uh, is that happening? Are you getting yeah. some feedback? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of people that have, when the vaccines first came on, I'm like, I, I didn't even know what mRNA was. So I was like, people were trying to tell me about it. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's some kind of new thing that they're doing. I, I didn't know. And so I just started learning about it. But my first take on it was, I don't trust this. And I think you should wait. And that turned into uh, the risk reward ratio is off the charts, bad, stay away from these things. And there were people that were calling in via spaces and talking about how they have to lose their job if they don't take the jab. And, you know, I'm like telling them what's more important your life or, or this job. And, you know, you might have, I told other people in my audience, you might have to actually move to, you know, live your life and get out of California or New York, if that's where you are and you value your medical freedom. It's, it's not easy to, you know, you can't expect to just sit around and do nothing and live the life that you want. You have to speak out. And, and now is so critical for people to sort of raise the alarm and educate others and so forth. And uh, there's a guy in Australia that's been, that just decided to print this big flag with uh, to the lifeboats on it and a little screen capture from the show. And it's, it, he, he took that to the Canterbury protests down there. Uh, and has shown people that and it's been in a few videos and so forth. So yeah, there, uh, there's a, a lot of other content creators that I think will listen to my show and then talk about the things because I can break it down to where they can relay to their audience. So I'm just trying to help whatever way I can think of to like make people aware of what's happening and, and, uh, encourage them to arm them with the tools they need to speak yeah. up yeah that's brilliant and and it is you know we are taught at school to you know to follow all the time you know we're always mm -hmm. taught there are people who will tell you what you need to know and all you need to do is listen to them and it's time yep. for us stand to on your ex do as you're told that's it that's it right. we need to be the leaders now and all of us mm -hmm. You know, there shouldn't be one leader or, or 10 or 50 or 100. Every single one of us has the ability to do this. And, and giving them those tools, I think, is gold. It's, uh, it's exactly mm -hmm. what's needed. So good on you. And, and you know, we have the, the whole vaccine and the vaccine passports and all that stuff. They're trying to take away our medical autonomy and medical freedom. Uh, at the same time, they're doing the same thing with our money. So the dollar's dying, the fiat currencies are dying. Their plan is to go to a CBDC where they can have per transaction visibility and be able to say, oh, no, you can't buy that. You're, you're outside your quarantine zone. You can't, this transaction is not approved. Oh, we, that's an organization is on the terrorist watch list. So 
this transaction's banned. And by the way, we find you $50 and already withdrawn it from your account, which is not really your account. It's their account that you get access to. Um, that's where they want to go with the financial tyranny. And at the same time, we have blockchains emerging. We have privacy coins like Monero and, and uh, XX coin that really stand to take the power to print and coin uh, money out of the hands of the state. And that's how they fight their endless wars and fund their police states and all of these things is on debt and their ability to print up new money and extract the wealth from the existing dollars in circulation. With crypto, they won't be able to do that. And so at the same time as we've got to stand up to this sort of medical tyranny that's coming down, we also have to realize we have to transition away from their systems of control and the uh, using their money is fundamental to their power structure. So it, it, it's really an interesting time to uh, be alive and, and be taking <laughs> brand it game. Is. As the Chinese oh. said, may you live in interesting times, and we certainly do. And, and with, with the financial yeah. institutions, we saw how easy it is for the government to do that by what Trudeau did in Canada with the people who mm -hmm. donated to the uh, trucker convoy. And we've had similar situations in Australia. Has that happened in the US where the government has um, frozen people's accounts because of their supporting um, you know, uh, something that isn't approved? Yeah, so what the, um, what's happening in the US is they're kind of rolling out their own version of tyranny uh, without, while like they know they won't be able to get away with the government coming there would just be too much backlash if they did something like what Trudeau did in Canada. So instead what they're doing is going to the corporations who they've granted a license to, to exist basically and give them all these protections and so forth and can go in and audit and, you know, apply all this leverage to them that can make their lives miserable if they don't go along with what the government tells them to do because the government's gotten so big. This is why it's dangerous to have these big governments. And they are leveraging, you know, PayPal and Visa and MasterCard to censor these guys on their behalf. So that way it's not the government censorship that's happening here. It's these private companies making their own decision of their own free will, even though we all know that's not what's happening. So I see a lot of reports of individuals like Alex Jones had this problem. Gab had this problem. Um, you know, this is one of the things that they've talked about is over the last, I don't know, two or three years and maybe even longer, they've had to build their own infrastructure, their own messaging infrastructure. Uh, code they've had to interface with the with the payments the bank system in their own way they couldn't use the payment processors they couldn't use the hosting that google provides because they all will use their levers to to force them to center as well and this is the lesson that like you know the andrew uh the ceo of gab points out this is the lesson that getter and true social and all these guys are going to learn I don't know if you saw, but Sherry, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny was censored off of Truth Social for something that she posted. No. Uh, and why? Well, because they're hosted, uh, they're using, I think, Apple hosting or something like that. 
So Apple's putting the screws to them and forcing them to deplatform, and that's, they don't have any choice. That's what Donald Trump set up, Truth Social, right? That's that's his platform. Right. Yeah, that's wow. supposed to be the free speech mecca alternative, and they've censored Cherry Tenpenny and others. Wow. So really, if you want free speech, it's on Gab. Getter, you know, they, you had um, Jason... Um, Jason Miller, I think, is the CEO of Getter. He went on to, um, oh gosh, Tim, I, f- I forget the guy's name, but uh, a podcast. Both the CEOs of those two companies went on um, this podcast and described their philosophy and so forth. And you could tell the Getter CEO like had totally been given um, uh, marching orders yeah. from his hosting platforms that are running his, his little product there as to what's acceptable and what's not. And it was not at all based on principles, you know, like they were, they were told this guy's not acceptable. So then they tried to craft a policy to explain why they banned this one specific person. But really what it comes down to is you're not going to stand up to uh, Silicon Valley while you're on Silicon Valley's platforms, you got to build your own if that's what you want to do. And, uh, that's what Gab has done, but that's, I think the lesson that some of these others are learning because that's really the new model. And then at the same time, what's going on like over there in, uh, New Zealand. And I think the same thing was happening in, in Australia. I know in America, there was billions of dollars being handed out to the local news organizations and so forth. All that money comes with strings. It comes with censorship and it's sort of this new form of nationalization. You know, in the, in the communist socialist countries, they just go in and take it over and then run it into the ground. And uh, you know, like Venezuela with the oil companies, perfect example. Well, they're getting a little smarter about it and now they're just, printing up some money because they can do that and just steal the wealth from the existing dollars in circulation, hand those over to the corporations that they want to control and then dictate terms to them that that money comes attached with. And when it's billions of dollars and they've grown to become dependent on it, they can't say no. So we end up with, and of course at the same time, it's all being centralized and so forth. Those videos of the nightly news where they're all saying the exact same words with yes. just insert your community here kind of thing. Those should be so eye opening to people to just how manipulated and controlled uh, the paradigm that's put in front of us actually is. Yeah. And the people who watch the news every night and the people who read the newspapers and listen to the mainstream radio, uh, they're the ones who I think are the most stuck in this mass formation psychosis because yeah. they're being they're, told they're in that 20 percent yeah and and mm-hmm. yeah we have to if it, i saw something that said the cure for covid is very easy and it showed people pushing televisions off of balconies and <laughs> right <laughs> that would do it <laughs> if there was a I, I turned off TV. my tv uh, like i'm a perfect example of that i turned off the tv back in like i think it was 2006 and like my mom paid us um, $500 one summer if we didn't watch TV at all because she wanted us outside playing or, or reading books or doing other things and not inside watching TV. And so 
I eventually, you know, when the internet came around, I just transitioned over to that and just started reading and learning about new things. I was on YouTube back in 2007, making videos and so forth in the early days. Um, and yeah, it get, that, that propaganda controls a lot of people. And my brother's in that category. They've got the news on every time. And I'm just like, it's just so foreign to hear it going on in the background and see what they're um, telling people, knowing what I know. It's mm -hmm. like, that's a lie. That one was a lie. They're lying about this. But, but my brother doesn't know any of that. He just, well, it's the news, Sam. So yeah, they lie to it's, us. it's effective. Yeah, yeah it is. Right. But well, it, it's really a way of mind controlling the masses and they're losing control of that. And this is where this whole um, fact checking and all that comes in. That's really, it's another way for the government to enforce censorship through these fact checkers that are tied in with, you know, they, you've got the CEO of Reuters on the board at Pfizer. Uh, and he's running the fact check organization that's dispelling all the misinformation about these Pfizer vaccines. So that's part of this sort of distributed model of censorship. It's not coming. The ministry of truth blew up in their face when they tried to do that. They're all trying again with a second sort of, uh, less obvious way to go about it, but make no mistake. It's the same thing. And these censors pushing, you know, basically becoming the arbiters of truth that the social media companies will just blindly adhere to is the new model. And they realize that they're losing control and influence in the traditional legacy media channels because fewer and fewer people are watching that now. And they have to sort of co-opt and at least control the narrative on social media because it's eating their lunch. And, and that's another one of these epic struggles that's going on right now. Yes. And, and do you think that if Elon Musk does take over Twitter, will it change the balance of what we're getting? Do you think that he's honest in saying that he actually wants uh, to support freedom of speech and he wants all of these different sides to be fighting each other because that's how we get it out there? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I'm not convinced he wants to buy Twitter. He might be just trying to, I, I, I don't know. There could be another agenda behind that. Uh, he might end up buying Twitter, but I think he's kind of looking for an out now, especially after like uh, the hiring freezes and so forth that he's done at, at uh, Tesla and, and, yeah. and some of the comments that he made about the economy crashing, you know, he knows what's coming. Um, Maybe if he can drive the price low enough with his talk, <laughs> he'll purchase it at a much Yeah, he might be price. just trying to shop for a discount. <laughs> that's, that's entirely possible. There was a guy who was tracking his jet that he offered $50,000 to, uh, hey, delete this kind of thing. And uh, the guy refused. People criticize him over over that. I think that was the right way to go about it, you know, and the, the guy didn't do that. Now there were some SpaceX employees recently that wrote a letter saying we're embarrassed by what he's doing on Twitter and this and that. I haven't read the contents of the letter, but he's firing everybody that signed it, which I think is, you know, pretty disturbing 
that like you can't take criticism. So yeah. he might be the, you know, the benevolent dictator model of governance, right? To where life's good as long as you don't piss off the dictator. Uh, and, you know, he's only can focus on so much. So as long as you kind of stay out of his realm and out of his business, then everything's fine. Uh, that would be light years ahead of or leaps and bounds better than what we have today, right. which is the, the censorship. If you've noticed on Twitter, it has moved away from uh, actually finding misinformation like, uh, you know, statistics or something that are incorrect. They're not, they're not identifying uh, technical points anymore. They're just censoring viewpoints that are damaging to the narrative. I've noticed that in the last few weeks that it's really shifted and people are getting suspensions and bans and so forth. I saw one today. I can't recall it, but it was uh, basically asking a question about an official position and uh, the person got banned for it for uh, seven days or something like that. And like it, it shows that they're having to um, escalate the war, so to speak, on on the narrative or against the narrative, I guess, because now they their justifications for banning accounts are getting on are on thinner and thinner ice. I think is probably the best analogy for it. Well, I think I told you I, I this morning I woke up to a thirty day Facebook ban. And the ban was there. I, I actually have a screenshot. I might share it tonight. Um, the ban is there because I shared that I'm going to be speaking with you tonight. And it didn't say anything except yeah. that uh, this breaches their uh, community standards. And it said that, um, that it was identified by basically by bots. So it's not even like a person reported it or somebody right. in Facebook actually saw it and said, oh, this doesn't look good. They had a bot that somehow looked at the wording and decided that this was not really good. So we have computers now telling us what we can actually say and not say. <laughs> That's disturbing. Right. And, you know, one of the interesting things is there was a developer uh, at Twitter and I've actually there's. There's one of these guys that runs the censorship algos for Twitter that has written, has reached out to me um, to kind of share some things that I, I won't get into. But when Elon was announced, there was a developer that got all pissy and was talking about uh, COVID and so forth. And in his tweet, what he did was substitute characters so i use like the more sign or the number one for an i or an exclamation point for the letter i and that changes the word covid into something the bots will just skip right over right. uh or you use an at sign for the a in a in a word so i learned to use these special characters on these keywords that i know that they're looking for uh you know, like spike protein and shedding is definitely one that they are very concerned about. They literally, they locked my account over a tweet about the vaccinated shedding the spike protein. I appealed it because it's correct. I mean, that was one of the things that was in there. And I've had uh, more than one person watch that video and say, is that real? Is that really happening that 
you know, the vaccinated are shedding the spike and it can make people sick. I'm like, yes, it happened to me. There's people in my audience that it happens to all the time. It's real. Uh, they, th- this was a year ago at this point. So I appealed it. This was an account that I had 33,000 followers on. They left that in appeal for nine months. Wow. Because they couldn't touch it. If they, and this is while Alex Bernstein's lawsuit is going on against Twitter. If they, uh, you know, actually evaluated the, the appeal, they would have to say, oh yeah, you're right. This is allowed. So instead, you know, they got what they wanted because they just locked my account out and uh, I'm no longer a problem spreading uh, things that are counter to their narrative. And they were just going to leave it that way indefinitely. So there are all these different sort of layers that they, uh, that layers to their censorship and uh, it's, it's deliberate. And uh, if Elon can fix that, I think that would be amazing, but there are ways you know, like using the special characters to help you get around that. So we need to start using those. It makes it so your your tweets and posts and things aren't going to come up if somebody searches for it, but it also makes it so that the they have to have a human look at it to really be able to understand what it says. Yeah, I haven't ever done that. I've seen people doing it, but maybe I need to. Um, there's a woman I follow, and she's a PhD scientist, and she, whenever she says the word vaccine, she turns it into vacuum. And the first time I, I saw that, I was like, what is she talking about, vacuuming? How can someone vacuum this? And then it, I finally worked it out. I'm a little bit slow on the uptake there. And, uh, yeah, I, I do think That's that funny. maybe we need to get smarter about this one. We, I say we, I mean me, um, to get a bit smarter about this. Um, there's so many issues that need to be covered, Sam. Um, I, I think we're going to be running out of time very soon, but I would absolutely love to speak with you again. You are a wealth of information about so many different things. Um, I, maybe one day we'll have a show on just on cryptocurrencies and talk about that because that's something that a lot okay. of people are very interested in. Um, is there, I just well, wanted to ask, sorry, go ahead. Oh, let me just say on crypto, we're in this massive collapse right now. And uh, I think XRP is at the going to be at the core of this new financial system that emerges. Uh, I think it's right now, it's like at 30 cents or something. It's going to drop down, I think, maybe as low as 20, maybe even a little lower than that. Um, if people have money that they can afford to lose, don't you know, take out a loan on your house or anything like that. Cause ev- everything's going to crash in price. Uh, that's sort of the next phase of this thing, but owning a piece of the future of the global financial system is a very wise move, mm-hmm. uh, that could protect you and set you up for years to come. And it does, you know, it could be a few hundred dollars would make a huge difference a year or two down the road. So yeah. that's, I, that's what I would. And, and that's coming like, in the next weeks, month or two, I think that we're going to see that kind of low price and then it will start to rebound from there. Okay, guys, you have just benefited from watching Under the Wire because you are set financially for the future by XRP. Well, hopefully, I'm not going to say that, but look, look at, make an informed choice, the same as we say for everything else. 
Right. But, um, but look at this and, and work it out. I know a lot of people who are very much saying the same thing you are. So, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. I, my mom is in XRP, so. I have some too. <laughs> but I think I bought it at about okay, 80 cents. I <laughs> buy, buy high, sell low. Isn't mm -hmm. that how it works? <laughs> I have some at, at uh, I think, 16, 18 cents, and I have some that I almost paid a dollar for. So right, right, it is right. what it is. I, I think it will be well over that down the road okay, as part of this, as the fiat systems collapse and crypto takes dominance. That's the thing. You know, it, keeping money in the bank at this point in time, I think, is a bit of a fool's errand you know keep enough to pay your bills but uh but right. yeah yeah and and ca keeping cash on hand so three things i would advise as we go through this have physical cash that you can spend in case the banking system goes down and you need to fill up your gas tank or something like that if if the credit cards aren't working that day guess what you're not getting gas if mm -hmm. you don't have the cash or you know, the, the financial system's working, but there are transaction limits and you can only get out $100 a day or something and you run out. So having physical cash at home, I think is wise. As we move further into and these start lining the streets and become toilet paper, uh, I think we'll have this period of silver being very important to have physical in your possession. If people are gonna own paper silver, <clears throat> PSLV is Sprott uh, Capital. That's the one that's audited. The SLV ETF is complete garbage. That's what they're going to, I think, manipulate to drive the price of silver down on paper to get out of their, unwind their positions. Um, and then crypto, I think, is the long-term transition. So cash right now, I think, is a good idea. Not in the bank, in your, you know, in your vault at home or hidden away, whatever that you have access to in case of, you know, financial upheaval, then silver for when fiat fails and hyperinflates and crypto for the long term. Yeah, it's very good. It's good advice to diversify and to look into this because I know so many people who are just holding things in the bank and I'm like, look at what happened in Canada that all of that money is valueless. Right. You know, as soon as the government turns off the the ability to use it, you just, it's not going to make any difference. So yeah, very good advice. <laughs> Sam, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you. I'm going to be sharing links I, I'm, to all of your um, locations, to the website, to the, um, the Rumble page, I think it is, uh, and, and also to the uh, talk that you gave to the Food and Drug Administration. May many people hear what you said and may it actually get through their heads that that is the truth yeah. and that they need to look at this so. a little bit further. And I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thank you so much for coming on to okay. Under the Wire. Thank you. You're very welcome, Meryl.